without understanding it, and the evil one comes, steals away, or is sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but he has no root. It lasts only for a time. Some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among the thorns is the one who hears the word. And the word of the anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. It's the one who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred, sixty, or thirtyfold. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to ask you, why St. Thomas Lord? St. John Fisher, were executed, beheaded by Henry VIII. You would probably tell me that because they refused to take the oath of supremacy, declaring the king to be the supreme head of the church in England, and rejecting the authority of the Holy Father. And you would be right. There's another way of looking at it. Is perhaps somewhat more frightening. In the end, they were executed because they had become inconvenient. They had gotten in the way. And as Thomas Cromwell put it in the play, our job was to minimize the inconvenience. Strangely, you and I will look upon them as being people of heroic virtue who died of heroic death and martyrs. And the people who executed simply brushed them aside. As I said, they were being interviewed. We find that to be all too true in our world. People reject the reality of God because of its inconvenient church is inconvenient. And so the gospel that's a reflection of the church is inconvenient. It must be brushed aside or rationalized. More often than not, that's why they don't the church. Because That's what today's gospel is about. The inconvenience of the kingdom of God. Our Lord is speaking about the kingdom, we'll do that next week too. Remember, he speaks about the kingdom of God, he's not speaking about just the kingdom of heaven, he's speaking primarily about the church, the kingdom of heaven. Heaven, the kingdom of God on earth, is the church. And he speaks about those who will be given the message of the kingdom. He speaks about four different responses to that. 
all of which are perfectly evident in our world. In fact, I believe sometimes, more so in our world, our Lord knew it would be present from the beginning. Our Lord knew that. But also, there are certain ages where it becomes more visible, where our convenience becomes the very focus of everything that we do. And so, this gospel that speaks about that, about that response to the kingdom. And so he speaks first about, oh, by the way, you know, I think that in our world, the people really want, often, think they And think of this, this isn't true. When they think of Christianity, they want a, a watered-down, convenient, convenient, comfortable form of Christianity. But hopefully it's all the time somebody entertained. In an affluent world, the people expect to get the God that they pay for and can afford to pay for. But that's not a God of the gospel. Our Lord uses three examples the one in which the seed sown on the path, evil one comes and steals it away. Because you don't understand it. Many people actually leave the church quite frankly today because they don't understand it. They don't understand the kingdom of God. It was never explained to them. Well, not really like that. There are those who understand and reject it anyway. But there are many who simply don't understand. That's pretty frustrating, I think, when you try to explain something to somebody. They simply will, cannot grasp the concept. Or will not. He then speaks of those who suffer persecution. He says, the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy. How many people are those who have met in your life and men? But it has no root. Tribulation, persecution comes, and they immediately fall away. That persecution can be anything. It could be a rejection on the part of society, which we're seeing more and more. Ridicule on the part of uh, the culture. Attacks on the part of the media. People wander away uh, because they simply can't, simply won't accept the responsibility of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. I said, we're saying a great deal. And finally, the worldly anxiety and the, and the lure of riches. I just spoke about that. Do that. So again, the people who really want a very socially acceptable form of religion, um, form of Christianity, that it's, it's a very painful reality. But you and I are going to have to learn to be radically different in this of the world, and these three reasons in particular is rejecting the reality of the kingdom of God. We have to, it's going to take more and more courage to do that. You know, there was a Dr. Samuel Johnson, a great English writer, said that moral courage is so essential to the spiritual life that without moral courage, no virtue is possible except by accident. And that's true. No virtue is possible except by accident. The question is, do we have it? The answer is the grace of question. The grace we have the courage. 
You know there's a, a blessing whom you may have heard of yourself. Monsignor Williams may have mentioned him. Uh, blessed Charles of the Call. He was from a noble family of France. Entered the military. Led a scandalous life. And then was converted. But up until then, each one of these three might have applied to him. When he was converted, all of a sudden, there was a radical change in him. First, he wanted to be a Trappist monk. But that wasn't enough. He wanted more. And so, he went off and lived with a, as a gardener for Port Theridon. That wasn't enough. He was eventually named a priest. He went off to live in the Sahara. He became known as the Hermit of the Sahara. In fact, you know that in the early part of the 20th century, his name was as well known as Mother Teresa's name is today. Because of his heroism. He lived as a Hermit of the Sahara. He never converted anybody. No one ever was converted. He just lived a holy life in this Islamic culture. And in 1916, he was murdered. He was shot by some hostile tribes. His lesson to us is one of total giving. You know, you and I are called to that by the least we've seen not right now. By the way, he wanted to form a religious order. And there were three stipulations to this. Absolute obedience. Him. Secondly, the willingness to be beheaded jointly for the kingdom of God, and the willingness to be to jointly starved to death for the kingdom of God. Nobody came. <laughs> Although, the little sisters of the poor, or the brothers, were founded based on his example. You never lived to see it. They considered him to be their father. He had a prayer that I think summed it up very well. As I've already said, the seed that falls on rich soil is the one who hears the word, understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and yields 160 or 30 fold. He had a prayer, a prayer of abandonment. We're going to have to come back to that, I think, in my thought. Because in order to respond to the gospel, there's going to take that sort of abandonment on the part of each one of us. We'll have to abandon everything that becomes impossible in the kingdom of God, these three things in particular. His prayers, as I said, quite beautiful. Uh, very simple, as he was. He said, Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Other prayers are difficult enough up to that point. You know, how many of us would say that? God. We say to God, Lord, I am ready for all. I accept all. Most of the time, we want to do it on our terms. I will tell you what I will accept. I'll tell you what I'm ready for. But he's, he didn't do that. He said, I'm ready for all. I accept all. But only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. I got a beautiful prayer. We mustn't finish yet. 
said, Into your hands I commend my soul. I give it to you with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord. And so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands, without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. That's what it takes to understand. That's what it takes to avoid the temptations of the evil one. That's what it takes to overcome tribulation and persecution. And that's what it takes to push aside worldly anxiety and lower visions. That's sort of it. But we can say the same thing. Father, I have myself into your hands. And how do we do that? What makes it possible? Well, the Eucharist, of course. The Eucharist makes it possible for us to focus on that abandonment. The Eucharist makes it possible for us to become what we could not become. The Eucharist gives us the strength to unpack, embrace the word, in fact, to show ourselves into it, and to become. That strange example that the world does not understand and so desperately needs.